and welcome to this new podcast brought to you by UCC Planning Society. I am Colin Cotenhogan, and throughout this series, we will speak to a variety of people from a diverse range of backgrounds, both locally and globally, and get their take on the issues surrounding urban planning. On this first episode, we explore the issue of dereliction, and we are excited to be joined by Jude Sherry and Dr. Frank O'Connor. Let's get stuck in. So uh, thank you, uh, Frank and Jude, for both joining us today. And we're so excited to have you as our first guests on, the, uh, on our uh, brand new venture on our podcast. Um, so could you both briefly tell us about how you came to form an ish and why the issue of dereliction is so important to you? Yeah, um, thanks for having us on, guys. It's, um, it's a real pleasure to be part of you and to be the first one as well. It's great. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, so an ish, uh, an ish means no in Irish. It's... Uh, it's an organization that looks at, at from a systems perspective. So we're interested in uh, systems design, systems thinking, and I suppose foundationally we're interested in sustainability, circularity, responsibility, social justice, and, and, and inequality. And uh, we set up the organization, I suppose, four or five years ago now in, in, in the Amsterdam. Uh, we both have backgrounds, I suppose, combined about 50 years combined experience working on projects all over the world. Uh, very much from a resource perspective and uh, I suppose we kind of focus on the resource level at a product and an urban level and um, we have this kind of very simple lens on how we look at urban areas. We look at urban areas in terms of rest, play and work. The idea everyone should have a home, everyone should have somewhere to play and everyone should have some access to meaningful just work. So this kind of idea of rest, play and work, when we came back to, to Ireland in late 2018, we started looking uh, at, we chose to live in Cork City, we chose to live in the city centre, we fell in love with the wonderfully friendly people and the landscape and the architecture, and we decided to look at the city in terms of our model of rest, play, work. Now, originally we thought we'd come back and we'd focus more on the work element, but when we came back to Cork, while we were struck with the beauty of the city, we were also kind of taken aback by the uh, homeless crisis, the housing crisis, the high levels of dereliction and vacancy, and the decaying heritage. And that's kind of how we kind of came in on this. So basically, initially, we looked around housing and homelessness and heritage, but we decided to focus particularly on dereliction because we felt that there was a number of actors already working in the other spaces and we felt that we could contribute more significantly if we looked at the dereliction element. So from day one, when we moved to Cork, um, we had this kind of process where we shine a light, we challenge, and then we show what the potential is. So it's kind of a very simple process. So we started to document the city from day one. In fact, uh, I'm a bit geeky about this. I actually started a new pad uh, and wrote down, this is, although we were moving here as a home, uh, it also was an immersion. And that's how we, we take an immersive approach, uh, approach in terms of our work. So we started documenting what we were seeing, chatting to people, taking photographs. And I suppose that's kind of where it started really. And it wasn't until last, June of 2020, where we've been kind of recording information for about a year and a half at that stage, that we decided to try and start a conversation. And hence how I shared the first property on the, I suppose, big sort of long dereliction thread. Now I shared the last prop, our first property last June, and we carried, we carried that on for the, for the entire year. And around that, we were basically, our interest was, I suppose, really trying to understand why we have this high level of dereliction. And, uh, 
you know, what it meant, I suppose, at a community level, at a local level, to the economy, to, to the people who lived here, to well-being, etc. And also just to build a community of interest, because we were new to Cork, and before COVID kicked in, we were still working mostly overseas, so our clients were predominantly overseas. So when COVID kicked in, that changed direction for us, for our business. So it kind of gave us, I suppose, more of a focus on, on Ireland, more, more focus on Cork. And yeah, so it's kind of, that's where it started taking off, really, starting with the thread. And then around that, building conversations around heritage, around well-being, around architecture. Us, I suppose, jumping in, deep diving into a lot of topics that we're not experts on. I mean, we're, 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 we're expertise is very much in systems design, systems thinking. Uh, but it was, so we were kind of upskilling, up learning as well, meeting new people, inviting people who were interested to come and do a walk and talk, which is how we've met a lot of people in the city. So we'd walk around the city, we'd chat, and we'd look at ways to change things and what could, could happen. You know, and I suppose that's kind of the main start. I mean, you yeah yeah so i suppose there like i suppose it was the initial shock when we first got back that the the scale of dereliction in cork city but also all over ireland but rarely and in most towns most towns cities and villages in ireland has a has at least one derelict property i grew up across the road from one that was just part of life you just kind of Mm. come to accept it and i suppose after living abroad for so long when we moved back here it really was a I suppose a shock again mm. to see the scale it's at and to know that other countries then have solved these problems we were like well why is it still a problem here especially when we've got such a high housing crisis right okay yeah no absolutely and i think that um i think that's something that uh, we as planning students even and as you know future planners have seen is the the light that you both have been shedding on your um twitter feeds and things like that um that i just i actually um got into planning with not even realizing how big of an issue that actually was and mm-hmm. so i think that sharing a light with on that is certainly something that is uh, needed uh, for both the kind of planning and for, um, you know, other um, areas of um, conservation, built heritage, things like that. So like all different pe- background, people walking from all different backgrounds. I'd just like to ask you about your um, kind of motto. I was very intrigued by it. Um, the rest play work. Um, uh, because so good planning in, uh, puts uh, people at the heart of planning. Mm. And, and so um, that's kind of, I was struck by the fact that maybe there is kind of some similarity between your motto of rest, play, work and putting people first. Could you yeah. speak to a little bit, bit about that? Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose for, I started out in the late 80s. I'm a bit older than the rest of you guys. And I called for circle economy back in Ireland in 1989. So probably the first person to do it. And I suppose early on in my career, I'd very much a product resource focus. So like very much life cycle systems multi-stakeholder product resources and i suppose our careers intertwined after a number of decades and likewise you come from very product focus and i suppose we've been working together now for about 10 years and i suppose really when we started got together we still had that product resource focus but we were both getting more engaged i suppose in a kind of i suppose urban space and i had always like in my original degree I had taken more interest on the people element of technology and design than I had actually in producing stuff. And I suppose that was always there in the background for me. And you had been kind of coming very much from a, I suppose, a maker urban sort of space. 
And uh, so really that kind of rest play work element came from, we both sort of, I suppose, did a lot of upscaling in the last 10 years, haven't we? Absolutely, on an on a urban level, but, but also fundamentally from the product background that we both have, yeah. a lot of the focus is often on the environmental side. Um, so whether it's climate change, whether it's biodiversity loss, whether it's resource depletion. But however, like both design really is fundamentally about how we design a better lifestyles for everybody. And mm. um, so it's a really is a human focus within design. So a lot of what influences us is a lot of the work coming out of the 60s and 70s, whether it was design mm. for the real world from Fit to Papinac or design for society, yeah, um, even I mean, small is beautiful from Schumacher, uh, from Schumacher. Jane Jacobs stuff as well, from an urban point of view, Ian Gale stuff as well. So really it's, it's about how do we live extremely fulfilling lives by using the least amount of resources yeah. and having the least impact as possible. And to do that, we need to put humans, put people in society at the center of that in order to understand how we can live fulfilling lives. Yeah, and I suppose, you know, we were kind of, I suppose, doing a lot of urban stuff the last 10 years and we love walking and talking and walking. I mean, we, we're geeky. We go to other cities and we spend the whole time walking to cities and taking pictures and chatting to people and, you know, just love that element. But I suppose we're both heavily kind of interested in the idea how people could become a bigger part of the process. Now, I was lucky enough to upskill in art and, 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 and sort of self-training art as well. And I was delighted I got an artist in residency in a a social housing project in, in Wales, probably about I can't remember, five or six years ago. And I spent nine months working on this project where I was immersed in the local community. So that again, really increased, I suppose, the people element. I just fell in love with the people and I tested out like a lot of immersive dialogic approaches and I suppose explored empathy and trust. And in parallel, you were walking in the streets of Bristol and other cities and I walked with you and you were looking at the makers and people and what it meant to cities. And I suppose we were kind of fascinated that cities where a lot of making and stuff and design had happened over the centuries, but where it kind of had gone out into, I suppose, suburbia and beyond was coming back into cities and people were coming back into cities. And we were like, well, we want to understand this more and we want to utilize our skills. And from a sustainability point of view and a resource point of view, we were like, well, you know, if we want to be more sustainable, if we want to be more responsible, if you want to be more ethical, we need people to come back in the cities and we want people to come back into an environment where they can have a lovely place to live, they can have fun on the streets and feel safe and their kids, they can from an eight to an eight year old. And also we, we're particularly interested and we haven't done that so much for, so far in Ireland is we're interested in resources within urban environments and how we can create businesses that I suppose revitalize those local economies. So for us, it was really, a kind of, I suppose, the last 10 years since we've been working together has been coming together of a lot of the ideas we've been playing around with previously. And if you like, coming from Amsterdam then to, to Cork and very similar cities in many ways, uh, and, and Cork's architecture, as you guys probably know, a lot has been influenced by the Dutch and stuff, and you still got some of that remaining. But we were so influenced by a lot of what we'd seen in the Netherlands. Uh, in terms of how well they've turned things around and Jude knows much more than I do about this side. And we were like, well, you come back to Cork and you go, well, it's all opportunity. We, we're actually missing a trick. And I suppose that's the big thing from our point of view is that if people are coming back in, let's make it a livable city. And I know it's easier said than done, but it's been done in other places. And Cork, is, Cork lends itself so well to, to making this kind of environment work. And I suppose that's what struck us as well. And like, 
we've traveled, I mean, traveled the world. I mean, I've worked in 20, 30 different countries at least and stuff. And you go, Cork is great for this, you know? Um, so I suppose there was that mix of, this is amazing opportunity. The potential is, you know, but we both understand as systems people that it is complex and there's a lot of factors and you guys have a, have a key role to play. So we know that. I mean, in fact, my PhD uh, 20 years ago, 21 years ago, explored the complexities of applying this at a product business level for full global life cycle. So I, we know that complexity and we've worked in a lot of, uh, me particularly, I've worked in a lot of global panels where you look at issues. So we know it's complex, but we also know it's feasible. It's, well, it's when, you break, when you break it, when you both break it down, I mean, I think that you've hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it's, um, you know, you talk about Amsterdam and you talk about the lifestyle and how that lifestyle could be easily transferred over to to Cork and things like that. And, you know, both cities with uh, waterways and things like that, mm. whether it be, you know, whether it be obviously different, you know, different types of waterways, obviously, mm. but at the same time, um, anyone that's been to Amsterdam will know, obviously, that, you know, the, the kind of... Uh, relationship between the water and the city it just it, it really mm. can't be understated um and and i think there are those opportunities um for cork as well and what i'd like to maybe just um pick up on as well is just you talk about people coming back into cities and i think that kind of goes to what you both have been working on and um, addressing the issue of dereliction and things like that because as we know the uh, greenest building is the one that's already built yeah. um so you know it, what is this do you think are the kind of major roadblocks i suppose in getting people to use the existing housing stock and getting you know the research mm. suggests that you know people will be moving back towards cities but obviously we need to provide housing for them and as you both have um shown there are a huge amount there's a huge amount of housing stock already there but what are the major roadblocks kind of stopping um people you know taking up those derelict sites and derelict um buildings so there's a number of smaller and individual barriers to each building so each building is owned by someone who has a whole variety of reasons why they've left the building go derelict now to tackle each one of those individual reasons would be extremely complicated and um, costly, for, mm. especially on a, on a state level, on a, on a government level. So fundamentally, what, the way I would see it, and this is some research that's come out of the uh, Heritage Council, their town centre first as well. It's CTCHC, yeah. CTCHC. Um, so their research looking at vacancy uh, in towns as well has shown that although there are multiple reasons why it happens, fundamentally it happens because it's allowed to happen. Mm. So the main thing is that there's no reason why an owner can't do it, mm. is that it, it is possible. Now that's not to explain why owners of buildings would let it happen because there's so many people own buildings, own not just their own home, obviously, but own second buildings and second homes that they rent out, that they the family live in, or their family members live in that are used. So fundamentally, I suppose what shocked us is that when we started looking at this in more detail, is that we actually do have a dereliction act, a dereliction sites act from 1990. And um, so it's something that dereliction has been something that plagues most uh, countries in some form or another. 
Um, in Ireland, it's been here since the foundation of the state and, and, and probably much longer than that. But what we found was that the Dereliction Site Act is not being enforced. It's not being enforced on a local level. And um, so it's up to each local authority to enforce it. Now, different local authorities have taken different approaches to that. Um, some have pushed it further than others, like Loud Council and Limerick Council both have CPO'd so compulsory purchase ordered 100 buildings within a, a few years. And hmm. um, so they've actually taken a lot more proactive approach. And you can see this, we were up in Limerick recently. You can see this when you walk around the city. Mm -hmm. There's actually signs on a lot of derelict buildings asking for the owners to identify themselves or other people to identify the owners of the building, notices of CPOs on mm. it, or notices that it will be put on the derelict site. So you can see as a citizen, I suppose, you can see that active engagement that the and enforcement that the council is going through the processes, going through it. So I suppose that fundamentally, I think it's that yeah. they can, but on another level, it's knowing what how Amsterdam tackled its dereliction. So Amsterdam had a massive dereliction problem in the 70s and 80s. It had massive uh, flight to the suburbs. So it dropped, its population dropped 15% and within a two decade period. Now how they ended ended dereliction was to a number of, by, by enforcing the laws that we've got here as well, enforcing building control laws to make sure buildings are structurally sound, but also by making the city livable. So in the 70s, Amsterdam was also a car dominated city and it had massive vacancy, big land speculation problems. And so a combination of enforcing of the laws, but also making the city extremely livable and easy, where now they've they've actually done themselves in the sense they have another housing crisis, but they only have vacancy rates of 2% across the city. And um, so they've low, they, they, their use of space is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, they use everything. I mean, the Dutch are very, I mean, they can be quite inspiring in terms of how they tackle these type of issues, I suppose, really. I mean, they're, they're very pragmatic. Um, they don't want people to be without a home and they don't want to walk down the street and have their election. They just don't want to visually see it every day. And um, I suppose for us, that's been the big thing on a kind of a bigger picture around it is that kind of what we have, I suppose, I suppose come to recognize that it's very much been normalized here. And it's how you kind of change that culture. And so really for us, it's that cultural element. It's the cultural mindset that it, it doesn't seem to be a strong political will or a strong cultural will. Yeah, it's certainly, I mean, it's certainly not a, a new issue by any chance or by any means, like you said. Um, I mean, and I, I noted that in your report um, that you produced, this is Derelict Ireland, um, that there was a quote from Patrick Flynn back in 1998, mm -hmm. who was then the Minister for Environment, you know, mm -hmm. basically talking about tackling, dere you know, t t talk, tackling dereliction back then. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, that's almost twenty years ago. So I mean, we're we're you're you're you are one hundred percent right that this is not a uh, a new issue. But d yeah, do you think that it's something that um, people have simply just turned their eye, kind of a blind eye to, and well, kind of just are used to? That's something that people are telling us actually quite a lot. I mean, a lot of feedback we're getting now, some openly and some through direct messaging and emailing and phone calls, is people are saying saying thanks because they started to take it for granted and uh, so that's kind of the feedback yeah we, we've had people tell us that now that we've pointed it out they can't stop seeing it <laughs> so they never noticed before until yeah. they were pointed out and just from a personal experience i suppose like growing up 
so I'm from Dublin. I mean, outside of Dublin city, but I spent a lot of time in Dublin city as a child and you, 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 came to normalize it and it's only from living abroad and moving mm. back that you went oh my god this is so bad yeah. that you know that you really see the difference then and I suppose what we yeah and on that we kind of I suppose we were initially we were like wondering I suppose going back to late 2018 when we moved back as we were walking and taking up photographs and chatting to people initially we were kind of is this just us are we the only ones who think this is a bit strange and I suppose it did play in our mind, yeah. which is why we were slow to start the initial community building around it, because we were like, are we going to just frustrate people? Are people going to go like, well, there's nothing wrong at all? But I think, unfortunately for Cork City, in the Central Island particularly, where a lot of, I suppose, our, our, our conversations have, have revolved around. I mean, as you know, we saw the thread is two kilometres to the Central Island, but a lot is the Central Island. I think the Central Island, it, it does hit you a lot. And we, and because we, we live in the... Blackpool, Blackpool edge of Shandon. So we walk down through Shandon and walk past the wonderful butter exchange and we ride down to the Pope's Quay and you pass over by Carl's Quay and you go over into North Main Street and then and you go by Tucky Street. And it's like, these are our, our normal day-to-day -day places where we walk. And I suppose we were being hit by a lot of dereliction. And, uh, and for us, from our own kind of mental health well-being, it was tough going actually. And so that's why we started some of the conversations as well. And we were kind of, and you chat to someone who lives next door and they're like, oh, well, I've been living next door to this for 15 years and it's so annoying or so frustrating. So, yeah. so like, like you say, it's not new. And, um, and we've done our research and we've been lucky to meet experts, of course. I mean, experts in architecture and conservation and people who know the city far better than us who share their insights. But I think it's the scale of where we are. And I suppose, you know, the reality from us coming from an, I suppose, we come very much from, I suppose, a sustainable circular economy perspective, the reality that this is a lost opportunity, you know, and, uh, and like you say, with that sort of Twitter feed and stuff and the, the report that Jude led on and the data analysis Jude did, where you looked at in detail at, at the 340 properties initially, and you found that actually quite a few were homes and actually quite a few could be potentially turned into homes again, quite quickly you know and we're actually in the process ourselves of doing up our own home which when you're doing up your own home and living in it as well obviously has its own challenges but so we, we we're also learning ourselves we're doing up an old property so we're learning about I suppose materials and resources in, in Cork from our own point of view so we moved into a, like an old terrace and it's 200 years old we've we found out not by actually buying it and stuff because no one knew but we've done our own research so we're kind of slowly walking in our house and that's helping us too to to form a stronger connection to the city and stuff and i suppose this recognition that dereliction goes very much in hand with decaying heritage and heritage is so important for anchoring us to our city and so important for our self-esteem and well-being so i suppose we're kind of living it talking about it and meeting people around it so it is quite intense so but we're on this kind of upward learning cover of understanding um so it's yeah so it's like it's not new but unfortunately i suppose we're concerned it's become normalized fair enough i mean and i mean i think that uh i think you're right i think it's something that you can't unsee because i think we as uh, even planning students over the last year have uh there's so many things that we now can't unsee, mm -hmm. uh, you know, with with the amount of uh, things that we've learned and things like that through uh, through our courses. And um, certainly, like you said, the uh, when somebody brings an issue to the table, 
um, and like, like you like you both have with um, taking fit pictures of all these derelict buildings and things like that and um, walking through Cork City or other cities um, around Ireland, um, you, it really, really just opens your eyes to what is actually there and um, the potential for, you know, buying, you know, for, for first time home buyers and people like that that, you know, want to get on the property ladder, maybe could, could, wouldn't mind spending you know, two, three years renovating a house or whatever, you know, mm. in their early twenties or whatever, you know? So, um, so what I'm going to do is, um, we are going to ask everybody this question. Um, so we want to thank you so much both for joining us and our, uh, on our, uh, first venture today. And, uh, we're hope that uh, we can keep going and, uh, get 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 uh, big, big, bigger and better as they say but um no um i think both the work that you both have been doing is um so integral um to the planning world um i mean i think that the idea of um, heritage uh, like you said the ctch pre c program um issues around vacancy i mean all of those issues are um really at the core of planning right now and um, need to be talked about and um you know, keep going and keep doing the work that you're both doing. Um, so one question that we're um, going to ask um, all of our guests um, is, uh, what is the one issue surrounding our towns and cities that we aren't talking about right now, but should be? So, yeah, I don't know to think about that. Um, it's a good question, actually, yeah. I mean, I suppose it's a difficult question to ask from our point of view, because we're kind of talking about so many things that we really don't fully understand. I suppose I'm particularly interested in, personally, I'm particularly interested in, um, like we focus so far, Colin, on the city centre and two kilometre radius, but I'm particularly interested in this concept of regeneration. And uh, what I haven't spoken about much so far in Ireland, which we're doing research on, which I've worked a lot on abroad, is the implications for where you start to regenerate a particular area and the implications that has for the local community. Yeah. So I think there's a lack of understanding around that the, the impact it has in terms of displacement. And, and definitely that regeneration without gentrification, that would okay. be something we should learn from other cities. Is that as we do solve some of these issues of dereliction, as we make cities and town centres more livable, how do we ensure they're inclusive for everybody? Um, and I think that that that's very important for us because we can learn from other cities that have gone down this route um, and towns that have gone down this route already is how do we make sure that they are inclusive, that they're inclusive from everybody from eight, eight to 80, but also inclusive from all, all different backgrounds and all different income levels. And I suppose around that, I suppose we are, what we're beginning to see here is like where certain parts of the city suburbs particularly become, begin to be, I suppose, regenerated, whatever that particularly means, but that they end up displacing communities and, and end up with situations when some communities have to live in an environment for maybe 10 or 15 years where part of their estate or whatever is, is actually being let go derelict. So the honest, I'm particularly interested in the, in the impact that has on, on that community. And I, I think that conversation does not happen here at all. And I suppose I've had those conversations abroad and they're extremely complicated conversations, but I want to shine a light on that stuff as well and say, you know, if we, you know, do the people who are planning or who are developing or us designing or thinking about it, do we really understand what's going on here, you know? And uh, I think it's having quite a detrimental effect in certain communities. 
Um, Absolutely. And I mean, I think your idea of, yeah, I mean, in, inclusive regeneration, I think that is a fantastic way to go. Um, so um, we'll leave it there for today. Great. And um, thank you so much for joining us. And th- thanks very much for taking the time. Great. Thanks very much thanks for having us, guys. And good luck with it. We look, we look forward to listening to the podcast over the next year and a nice one. So a fantastic discussion there with uh, Dr. Frank O'Connor and Jude Sherry. Um, I am joined uh, by my co-host, uh, Kieran Deneen. Um, Kieran, uh, you were listening in there on that uh, conversation. Um, any thoughts on that? It was absolutely fabulous, wasn't it, Colin? Um, I mean, Frank and Jude are a breath of fresh air. Um, we need them now more more than ever, I think. And, uh, you know, planners... Um, you know, should be should be looking at the work that they're doing and the issues that they're highlighting. Um, and obviously, I'm sure a lot of a lot of planners would agree with with what they're saying. Um, it's about trying to trying to push from the inside and uh, you know and and advocate for whatever it is policy policy initiatives that need to be brought forward or or better enforcement. Um, and I think we can we can probably start to see the the beginning of that now again. Um, we know that Cork City Council, for example, are are looking at or after taking over the part of, the, of North Main Street there. Um, I think it was really interesting when they spoke about how they were, you know, coming back from Amsterdam and they were shocked by the level of of homelessness and and dereliction that they encountered in Cork. Um, and I suppose, you know, as uh, as a Corkonian, I know you're not one of those, but sure, look, we won't hold it against you. But, uh, you know, it's an issue throughout the throughout the country, obviously, not just Cork. And it's probably a situation where, you know, we grow up in in surroundings and buildings go up around us and a lot of things happen without us really taking too much notice. And, you know, we haven't quite realized the kind of dire situation um you know that we're you know that we're in and it takes a, f- a fresh set of eyes uh to kind of come in and say this is not okay like you know and um and and we've really we've need really needed that kick up the backside um no i certainly think that the work that they're doing and um really just shedding a light on it um because i do think i do think that we have all become far too blind um, to a lot of the issues that are, and I think, I think they mentioned it there. It's just like you know they came out at it with uh, fresh eyes, you know. We but we all we all live in we've lived in cities and we forget about the actual problems within our own city because we see it every day. Whereas if we visit another city, we're like, oh my god, this is this is terrible. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose the 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 funny thing is is that. Um, I would have a lot of family in in England and in the north of England in particular. And whenever I go over, the first thing that strikes me when I walk down some of the the main streets of either the main city or um, which is um, which is Wigan near Liverpool and Manchester. But uh, the, the, the amount of ground floor vacancy of buildings and dereliction and it's it comes out to me almost immediately. And I'd, I'd say if you asked people around the area, um, you know what they thought about it. Uh, you know they would probably, you know, shrug their shoulders and and maybe not quite realize, um, you know the the extent of the problems. Um, I mean, if you look at the, if you look at let's say the ideal rate of 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 vacancy or the maximum rate of vacancy for ground floor, it's around five percent in in town centres, and you know there's there's a plethora of of uh, towns and villages around um, the country 
who would have vacancy much higher than that. And, you know, alarm bells should certainly start ringing if you're getting up towards kind of 10%. Um, and yet we know through through some of the work done by the Heritage Council in particular that there's been plenty of, of areas where it's been much higher than the 10%. And yet um, people haven't realised the extent of the need to um, to address that issue. Um, so, yeah, it was fantastic. And I, I think what maybe what we need to look at in terms of of dereliction is that if we change our behavior around it which is what frank and jude were were more or less saying is that we should treat it as it, as what it is which is cultural vandalism and um, you know we go after you know uh teenagers and 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 young people um and and adults leaving you know uh messes around towns and villages and we'll say spray painting things and and and, and creating vandalism and obviously people react to that very strongly and i think we should view dereliction exactly like that and and we should call it out for for what it is absolutely um certainly food for thought there i think here and um uh, thank you uh, for joining me and um, uh, look forward to uh, bringing you our next podcast um, soon. And uh, thank you all for listening.